Carlo. Wait a minute. I just need a few more minutes. Carlo, it's time. Just a minute. I'm almost there. It's January already. Let it go. I know. I just wanted it to be perfect. Just let go. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Five seconds to tell me where you buried the loot. Where's the loot? I don't, I don't know who's got the loot. I don't know if anybody's got the loot. I'm setting up a guy who's incredibly important to us who's going to tell me where the loot is. Where's the loot? Hello, looters. Welcome to the Movie Loot, the podcast where we share the best, greatest, most entertaining, and or weirdest film loot you could find. My name is Carlo, and we'll be sharing the loot today. This is episode 76, the December loot. So since we're already halfway through January, let's fly through this already, shall we? First things first, a couple of weeks ago, we released the Millennium Loot, where me and Chris Boyer, founder of MovieForums.com, talked about the new millennium and our favorite films from that period. Great conversation and yet another episode that has been doing really well. In two days, it had already went to the top tiers of our most downloaded episodes. It ended up having our best opening week ever, and it currently sits, I think, on the edge of our top five most downloaded episodes ever. So, as usual, thanks to everybody for surprising us with your support. Support. Speaking of that episode, my friend Tim Doggerty got back to me and said, Great episode, although I'm still recovering from Chris' passive aggressive dig on Mulholland Drive. Hold my hand, Carlo. So am I, Tim. So am I. Also, my friend Andres from the Latin Jukebox said, Just listen to the Millennium Loot from my friend Carlo and the Movie Loot. Awesome conversation, a lot of great movie suggestions, and a great debate about movies nowadays. Five stars in good pots. Thanks, Andres, for always supporting us, my man. Also, our friend Sylvie at Sly underscore Wits said, another great episode, and much to my surprise, there were a number of movies in your list I haven't seen. But I love Arrival, Phantom Threat, and Edge of Tomorrow, so I guess I have some watching to do. Yes, you do, Sylvie. Thanks always for supporting. We also released special episode 15, where I briefly analyzed a scene from Good Will Hunting. And that one's also doing pretty good. These special episodes never get as much traffic as regular episodes, but it's still doing pretty well among all special episodes. When we released it, my friend Tom at Death Heaven said, Oops, did not expect you to get to this so quickly. Was going to write something today. Selavi. Still looking forward to listening to the podcast. But I told him to write it anyway, that I could get to it on the next episode. So I want to share what Tom wrote. And the initial question was, what was your favorite scene? And he actually wrote about the scene that we talk about on the episode. The bench scene. So much is communicated in this scene beneath the umbrella of a psychiatrist and his patient. In fact, as much as it reveals about the titular character of Will, it perhaps reveals even more about Sean and creates the very first step towards Will's recovery, even if Will doesn't quite realize it yet. We find out about Sean's love for art, how he feels about women and his experience in war. Most importantly, we find out just how much he loves his wife and how pain he is to have lost her. All of these are revelations that he uses to connect to Will. 
Will. And just as Will capsulized Sean's life based off of a single painting hung in Sean's office, Sean uses his observations about Will to turn the focus back towards the patient. It's almost a challenge of Will's intelligence. Will cannot deny the truths he has just heard and, though not expressed in words, has gained respect for Sean. Let the healing begin. So thanks to Tom for sharing those great thoughts. Obviously, if anybody listens to the episode, you'll see that we agree about pretty much everything. Finally, my friend Brian Scottle at Scottle Lemore shared a list of favorite podcast episodes he had listened through the year, and to my surprise, he mentioned one of ours. And it was the Puerto Rican Loot, episode 74, where me and Mario Alegre talked about Puerto Rican films. Brian said, I love how Carlos' format allows for in-depth discussions of specific topics that illuminate the subject and give us a chance to discover some films for ourselves. Thanks so much, Brian. Always a pleasure to read your talks. But anyway, we're still doing pretty good in Good Pods leaderboards and on Apple Podcast Charts. We've been charting in places like Ireland and Switzerland. Thanks to everybody listening from those countries and everywhere else. Please share our show, rate us, review us if you can, and share the loot. But let's get on with today's loot, where we will talk about the films we saw in December. So let's go! A film from the They Shoot Pictures, don't they? 1,000 Greatest Films list whose ranking includes the number 12. I saw some great films this December, but I think that when you boil it all down, Walkabout from 1971 is the one that has stuck with me the most. This Australian film has a mesmerizing quality to it with its direction, while also exploring themes of civilization, isolation, communication in a really great way. It's haunting, but beautiful at the same time. So this one's strongly recommended. Bianay at Bianay underscore gun said, brilliant film. And my friend Keram at K. Maliki Sanchez said, Walkabout introduced me to Roig's body of work and his style of meandering, complex narratives. I remember being struck by its existential rawness, the decoupling from urbanity. His work inspired Soderbergh and Ridley Scott. Oh, and he made Man That Fell to Earth too. I've only seen Don't Look Now and Now Walkabout from Nicholas Roig, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on other films of him. If you want to see Walkabout, it is streaming free on the Criterion channel. Freebies. I also finally had the chance to catch up with Mad Max Fury Road, a film that many, many people vouch for, but it was finally Mario Alegre's recommendation that made me watch it, and it didn't disappoint. What I appreciate about the film is that it starts with a bang, and it pretty much doesn't let go for like an hour. It's intense to the extreme, and I love that. My friend Sylvie said, Mad Max Fury Road is one of the best films of the 2010s, and although it may seem odd, it's actually one of the movies that first set me on the path to seeking out and promoting films directed by women. And I can see that, Sylvie, because there's a strong theme of female empowerment on the film. But be it for that or for just being a kick-ass film, this is a must-watch for any film fans. If you want to check it out, Mad Max Fury Road is not streaming free, but it's available for rent on most streaming platforms. The last film from any director you like. For this category, I went with John Huston's The Dead, and this one was recommended by my friend Phil Sagan, who brought it up in our final loot episode last December. This is yet another one that stuck with me, something fierce. The film follows a high-class dinner party where you meet an assorted array of characters. And you gotta admire a film that doesn't really show its cards until the last 10 to 15 minutes and still manages to keep you engaged and captivated by sheer dialogue and performances. My friend Brian Scuttle said, such a great film. And I agree, an excellent film. If you want to check it out, The Dead is streaming free on Voodoo, Tubi, and a few other streaming platforms. A Western. 
For this category, I went with The Searchers from 1956. This is yet another one that was mentioned in one of our previous episodes, this one by Tyler Jones during the Western loot earlier this year. It stars John Wayne, and it is a great Western in and of itself, but it's also an interesting portrayal of the changing racial and social dynamics that maybe its star and director were going through at the time. My friend Darren Lumberg from Nostalgia Gas said, one of the greats, like Pauline Cal said, it's not a lot of fun, but you can read a lot into it. And my friend Tom said, top three in Westerns on most Western fans' list and based on a true story, epic level directing. The Searchers is not currently streaming free, but it's available for rent on most streaming platforms. A film that starts with the letters W, X, Y, or Z. For this category, I went with X from 2022. And X was a fun watch. It follows a porn film crew in the 70s that stumbles upon a serial killer, and it delivers just what you would expect from that premise, and then a bit more. The way that Ty West homages classic slashers and horror films like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Shining, while also adding some layers to these characters is, is pretty good. My man Byrne from Cinema Recall said, X is great, but Pearl is amazing. If Maxine is anything at all decent, this could become my favorite horror trilogy of all time, beating all three Evil Dead movies. On the other hand, Benji Namo said love this much more than Pearl and will henceforth be considering it a standalone movie. If you want to check it out, X is currently streaming free on Showtime. Freebies for this category, I went with Land and Shade from 2015, and it's another strong recommendation, this time from my friend Kenny Diaz. He recommended this one very early in the year. It is a Colombian film about a sugarcane worker that returns home to take care of his ilson. The thing is that the ash rain that comes from the sugarcane that sustains them is the same thing that's killing him. So there's that paradoxical contrast between what they need to survive, which is work, and what they need to survive, which is to get out of there. It's really powerful and beautifully shot. If you want to check it out, Land and Shade is stream free on the Roku channel. A film from John Cassavetes. My first John Cassavetes film. Cassavetes was born in December 9, so I wanted to finally dive into one of his films, and I went with his very first film, Shadows. This one follows the relationship of three black siblings in New York City during the 50s, and their relationships with several characters. The main focus is in the relationships of Leela, who is light-skinned and starts a relationship with a jazz trumpeter called Ben, and how that relationship changes when he finds out she's black. My friend Jasmine May at Vida and Cine said, Colleagues Lila Goldoni and Ben Carruthers were supposedly married for a short time. He passed away at age 47 in 1983. Carruthers may have been around one-tenth black. Goldoni had no black heritage. It would have been more interesting to me had actual biracial actors had those roles. And my friend Tyler at A Film Addicted said, Great film and feels about a decade faster than the rest of American cinema in adopting and inspiring avant-garde approaches to cinematic language. Plus, it deals with complex racial issues in a way that don't feel beholden to the norms of the 50s. Indeed, Shadows is a great snapshot of race relationships during that time, so if you want to check it out, it is streaming free on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. Freebies this is another one that came from a recommendation, again from Phil Sagan. 
John Frankenheimer's Seconds from 1966 is a sci-fi film about a company that offers people the chance to be rebirthed with a new identity through plastic surgery. The main focus is on a middle-aged banker that seems to be tired of his actual life and undergoes the procedure only to find out that it's not that easy to cut the ties of your past life. A really interesting and thought-provoking film, Seconds is not streaming free, but it's available for rent on several streaming platforms. A film from the 2020s. For this category, I went with The Empty Man from 2020. This is a hard one to pin down. It follows a former detective that finds himself involved with a strange cult that idolizes the titular entity. But as it usually happens in this kind of films, he finds more than what he came for. The Empty Man might seem like a cheap horror thriller, but it really seems to have higher ambitions, even if it doesn't really achieve them all. My friend Corey at Knifey Spoonie 12 said, Yes, I love this film. Legitimately one of the most overlooked and underappreciated films I have seen in such a long time. The movie was such a surprise. I hope you enjoyed the ride. My friend Pete from Middle Class Film Class said, This one went some places. This would be a good or bad one to watch on edibles. I liked it much more than I was expecting. My friend Tim Doggerty said, I liked it, not what I was expecting, so a pleasant surprise. And my friend Jerry Sarabia at Jerry at the Movie said, Intriguing, I will say, but I think the ending falters a bit. So if you want to check it out, The Empty Man is streaming free on Fubo. A film from Bahrain. Bahrain celebrated its independence in December 16, so I wanted to check something from there. I went with a short film called Cloven. This is a six-minute short film based on a Bahraini folktale about a creature that preys on people. The film follows an old man that finds a mysterious woman in a desolate bus stop and offers to give her a ride. It is very well shot and well executed. You can find it on Facebook, and considering it's really short, I definitely think it's worth a watch. Freebies. Kung Fu Hustle was another one recommended by Talk Nerdy to me at NerdyLord underscore 13, and what a bizarre but fun experience it was. It follows a couple of loser friends that have to find their true self to protect a poor village from a deadly gang. It sounds simple, but trust me, it is not. My friend Frank Mendoza at FilmBuff1974 said, I remember seeing Kung Fu Hustle back in the day. Silly fun, visually striking. And Darren Lundberg said, It's really something. I hope you enjoy. My main complaint is that the guy that's supposed to be the main character is pretty much in the sidelines until the very last act, but it is a lot of fun. Kung Fu Hustle is available for rent on most streaming platforms. A Christmas or Holiday Film For this category, I went with Prep and Landing from 2009. This is one I saw with my kids, and it follows an elf called Wayne, who is part of the Prep and Landing team that is in charge of preparing everything in people's houses for Santa Claus' arrival. Unfortunately, he's disappointed and bitter for missing a promotion, and when he's assigned a lively and energetic rookie as a partner, he doesn't take it well. The best part of this is the creative ways that the filmmakers juxtapose the whole Santa Claus, Christmas elves, magic work into a corporate-like organization, and I thought they succeeded. If you want to check it out, Prep and Landing is streaming free on Disney+. Plus. A film with the number 12 in its title. For this category, I went with 12 Hours to Kill from 1960. This is a mostly obscure one, but I'm glad that I stumbled upon it. It follows a Greek man that witnesses a gangster murder only to be taken to the suburbs for protection, but obviously the two hitmen looking for him follow him there. The film also stars Barbara Eden as a local that tries to help him. This was a simple film, but effective and enjoyable with some nice twists. Freebies. 
And before getting into Fury Road, I managed to finally watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. This one follows Max as he stumbles upon this place called Bartertown, where he is sort of double-crossed and he has to survive the titular Thunderdome. This one's probably the weakest of the franchise, but I have to give it up to Tina Turner for her performance as Auntie Entity, the ruler of Bartertown. She creates a mystifying and intriguing character that unfortunately gets a bit lost in the shuffle in the second half of the film. M.E. Proctor at M.E. Proctor 3 said, enjoy Tina's chainmail. And like I said, I enjoyed her performance. Uh, my friend Scotty at Pirate Scotty said, great film. Tyler said, more like that Max, am I right? And Melody Ann has said, oh man, you could tell from the final product that the studio sure could never figure out if they wanted a Mad Max movie or a family film. And these two last comments are because of the focus on a tribe of kids that Max stumbles upon, which more or less takes up the second half of the film, and I admit that's kind of where I lost interest. But anyway, Tim Doggerty said it's grown on me over the years. It just has to be viewed differently than the others in the series. And Jerry Sarabia said, I concur with Tim. Need to see it again for sure. Fairly original sequel. If you want to check it out, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is available for rent on most streaming platforms. The last best picture winner you haven't seen. Driving Miss Daisy was the Best Picture winner for 1999. Why? I don't know. Because even if you like the film, I doubt you could come up with strong justifications in its favor that would go beyond... It was good. It is set in 1948, and it follows a stubborn, retired school teacher that is forced by her son to take a black chauffeur after a small accident. Of course, she is reluctant and a bit of a racist, but the two develop a bond that allows them both to grow past their prejudices. I really like what my friend Brian Clarkson at Brian Clarkson 5 had to say about it. It works best as a character study of two people who are missing something and find a connection that leads to friendship. As a civil rights film, it's less effective. A few scenes work, but the sequence involving Hoke and a Martin Luther King speech is clunky. On the other hand, Tim Doggerty said, makes a strong case for one of the worst best picture movies of the last 50 years. The film is fine, I guess, but it never goes as deep as it should for me to praise it more. If you want to check it out, Driving Miss Daisy is streaming free on HBO Max. Freebies. The fourth film in the Terminator franchise, Salvation, is entirely set in the post-Judgment Day future, which is probably the most interesting thing it has in its favor, the fact that they tried to do something different than the previous three films or the next two films. Still, the end result is as lifeless as the Terminators in the film, with some shaky performances, a model story, and mostly a dull execution. If you still want to check it out, Terminator Salvation is stream-free on Hulu. So that was my December loot. As usual, feel free to check out any of these films and let us know what you think, because we love getting feedback from people that get something from the loot. But now that we got the December loot out of the way, let's look back at 2022 and share some recaps, milestones, thank yous, and more of what I saw all year, and also what has happened in the podcast during the year. I finished the year watching a total of 200 films, which was 37 more than the 163 films I saw in 2021, probably thanks to all the short films I saw. My least favorite first-time watches were Tropical Romance, which was an old Puerto Rican film from the 1930s, Piranha 2, The Spawning, James Cameron's first film, and probably his only truly bad film, Complot, another Puerto Rican film from 1999. The Boss Baby, Get That Baby, which was an interactive Boss Baby short I put for the kids, so take from that what you may. And The Ninth Circle, which was the first short film from Damien Leone, director of the Terrifier films. On the other hand, my favorite first-time watches, not rewatches, would be Picnic at Hanging Rock, Parenthood, Black Girl, The Heiress, and Whiplash. 
Other favorites that I want to mention, the Mitchells versus the Machines, Inside Lewin Davis, 5 Easy Pieces, Mad Max 2, and Down by Law. And there might be more. There were really a lot of great things I saw this year. I want to single out two films because they had what I think were the best performances I saw last year, and that's Olivia de Havilland in The Heiress, thanks to the guys from The Envelope Please for vouching for it, and J.K. Simmons in Whiplash, who's just phenomenal in that role. Other nice surprises that fell more in the weird mindfuck tier, which is probably one of my favorite subgenres, were Upgrade, Walkabout, which I just mentioned earlier today, The Platform, Pontypool, Predestination, and a special mention to Kung Fury, a short film which is one of the most hilariously insane things I've seen. Now that 2022 is over and a new year has begun, a new challenge begins. And once again, changes are coming to the movie loot. So I invite you all to check out what we have in store. We already have great guests lined up for our first episodes. There's a changing format and a Patreon that will give you a chance to support the show, interact more, and maybe even be on the show. So I can't wait to share more of that with you. Let's hope you all like it. But I also want to thank all the guests I had through the year. I've thanked them many times before, but I want to do it again. I've said this before, but when I started inviting guests in 2021, I wanted to bring a diverse group of people that went beyond great friends, and I tried to do that. I think I ended up this year with a nice mix of great internet friends, fellow podcasters, authors, film critics, and more. One of my last guests, Mario Alegre, who is a local film critic here in Puerto Rico, is someone who I followed and admire for a long time. So I thought it was really cool to have him as a guest on my show. And for that show to be about Puerto Rican cinema, which is obviously special for me, and have that episode do so well, because it's still my most downloaded episode of 2022. It has a couple of ones nipping at its heels, but it's still on top. But I also want to thank my friends Sylvie and Chris. You're all great friends that I met not so long ago, but I feel like I've known you for a very long time, so it was great to finally meet you and talk films with all of you. To Brian Scudder from Sonic Cinema, Samuel Rance from The Envelope Please, Ethan from Best Film Ever, Josh from Your Next Favorite Movie, Kevin and Erin from the podcast That Wouldn't Die, Rachel Wagner from Hallmarkies, and Darren Lundberg from Nostalgia Cast. Not only are you great friends, but I'm always inspired by your work, your podcast. If I invited you to be guests, it's because I loved your insight and what you could bring to the movie loot. To author Tony Lee Moral, who was my special guest for my Hitchcock loot in August, it was an honor to have you on the show and count with your expertise. Finally, to my repeat offenders, Keram and Tyler, you just can't have enough of me, huh? No, seriously, you certainly bring the goods to all the conversations we've had, so that's why you become part of the movie loot. Not because your episodes are among the ones with more downloads, but because you are truly great guests that I feel comfortable talking with, that are knowledgeable, and that obviously translates in more people listening. So thanks to both of you, and let's see what we can do this year. And this applies to all the guests. I mean, if you look at my top 10 episodes, it's all you, not me. My solo episodes are usually at the bottom, so people are listening because of you. And that's something I always say. The show is as good as its guests, and if it's done so well, it's because of you. Every conversation brings something different, and I enjoyed all of them immensely. So thanks to all of you for the time. On a note of downloads, I'm really happy about how the show has done this year. I think I said this last year, but I'll say it again. I didn't start this for the numbers, but I want to talk numbers because I believe the numbers mean that people are listening and engaging, which has always been my main goal. This year, we doubled the amount of downloads we had last year, which is obviously great. Four of our best download months were in 2022, 
We've been consistently ranking in the Good Pods leaderboards and on the Apple podcast charts of several countries like Ireland, Australia, Switzerland, and others. So we keep growing and we expect to grow more and reach more people. So keep sharing the loot with everybody. So once again, thank you to each and every one of you that's listening. So that's it for 2022. But we're not going anywhere, so make sure you keep checking us on your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen. And make sure you share the link so more people can join us. Like I said before, stay in touch with us. Look me up on Twitter at TiffCDT and the podcast at TMML2021. Keep your eyes on our Instagram and Facebook pages because I'm going to make an effort to finally update them and try to spread the loot more across social media platforms other than Twitter. Let's see if I can keep up with that. But whether it's here or there, one day or the other, just keep listening to The Movie Loot. Have a great day, a better year, and let's keep looting films together. Thank you.